Father God, we come to you uh, thankful for a place like Bay Life, that we get to worship you and hear a message um, centered on you and what you're doing here at Bay Life and around our community, um, and Lord, what you expect of us. Lord, I pray for uh, all of the people who might be interested in joining this Alpha thing, um, Lord, and the people who are going to get in a life group this semester, Lord, I pray that that would change their lives, um, that they would see community and relationships in a new light. Father, I pray that you would be with all of our students who are at Revolve this weekend, um, be with Pastor Mark as he gives this message. I pray that you would speak through him, um, use him as a tool for your kingdom. Lord, we love you, and it's in your son's name I pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? It's great to see you. Yeah, you're looking at the roses. The roses are the good news. We had a, a team of, uh, of, of missionaries from us spend a week in Guatemala, uh, and they just went on the streets of the city they were in and just shared the gospel with uh, people they met there. Uh, Latin America is uh, uh, a place where the Holy Spirit is, a, is at work, and people are hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel, and in one week's time, our team and another church that was there with them were able to share the gospel with 266 people who made decisions for Jesus Christ. So, thank yeah, God for that. <clears throat> so that's the good news. I couldn't fit 266 in a vase. You're just going to have to get 10. Uh, the bad news is I feel terrible. I just feel nasty right now. If I pass out, someone come and resuscitate. But uh, uh, Daniel's already prayed for us. So let me, let me kind of carry us on in what we've started here. Uh, a couple weeks ago in a sermon series that we're calling Why We. We, uh, as a church, uh, need to remember why we do the things we do. Uh, it's really simple or really uh, alarmingly easy to just forget the, the reasons behind what we do. It can become just rote and, and habit, and, and we don't want to get there. We, if, if you've kind of started there and stayed there, I want to shake you from being there. And I want you to understand why we surrender, like we talked about the first week. And why we gather, which Daniel just alluded to, we, we want to be together because that's how Christ designed us to work as a body. Today we want to talk about why we serve. And uh, uh, we get that from our mission statement here. It says, we exist to surrender to God. You guys say it with me. It'll be fun. Here we go. We exist to surrender to God as he makes disciples through us here and around the world. First week we talked about surrender. Second week we talked about we. I'm going to cover kind of this last half here where it says that the uh, uh, he, God, makes disciples through us here and around the world. That takes two things. <clears throat> First of all, it takes God's willingness to work through us. Is everybody pretty sure God's willing to work through us? It's kind of how he's designed this thing to work all along. Uh, but then it takes our willingness to allow him to work through us, our willingness to step out in faith, our willingness to step out in obedience, uh, to, to be uncomfortable, maybe, and to do the things that he's called us to do. Uh, this is the life of the Christ followers. Everybody grateful that the first Christ followers, after getting the original Great Commission of go and make disciples uh, as Jesus was ascending into the clouds, is everybody grateful that they didn't say, you know what, I mean, that'd be a great idea, but we're just not gonna do it. It's just gonna cost too much, it's gonna take too much, it's gonna require too much of me. I'm just, I got other things I wanna accomplish in life, and hey, it was a great three and a half year run with this guy, he did some amazing things, but he's gone now, I'm gonna go back to fishing, or whatever else they did. Is everybody grateful? that the early church was like, yeah, I'm in. I'll give my whole life to making sure that people know the gospel and can respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. For 2,000 years, it's how it's uh, been in, meant to work in the church. Uh, at differing uh, times, there's a greater efficacy of that and a lesser efficacy of that. 
uh, from church to church. You'll find churches that have a, a servant attitude or a servant culture, and then other churches that are just like, hey, come serve me. <clears throat> I pray that we are a church that is the former, not the latter. That people who come here understand that to be a Christian, let's put it this way, to be a Christian or to be a Christ follower is to be a servant. Christ followers are servants. You know, uh, we, we can have all other kinds of interests and, and uh, you know, leanings and all those things, but when, when you boil down what it is to be a Christian and you shake the tree enough so that everything else that doesn't matter falls off, what's left is us serving Jesus, just as Jesus has served us. That's how it works. How it's meant to work anyway. We know this from several parts of scripture. You can't preach a service sermon without uh, at least alluding a little bit to this one. Here in John chapter 13 it says, Jesus, uh, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, uh, he rose from the supper table. He's at the last supper. He's with his friends in the upper room there or in the, in the room that they had rented <laughs> or been given for the Seder feast, forgive me. That's the NyQuil. <laughs> and uh, uh, he gets up at this last meal and, and he starts to wash his friend's feet. If we can go back to that first verse in verse three, I wanted to throw this in there because a lot of times we tell this story without bringing up this verse. Uh, and John's very careful to mention this in the context of Jesus washing his friend's feet. He says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, and that he had come from God and was going from God. This is almost like a, a summation of what John wrote in the first chapter of his gospel. In chapter one it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. All right, the, everything was created by Jesus, the word. It's just kind of this summation. He says, yeah, so here's this guy, Jesus, on the night that he's uh, you know, about to be betrayed, and, and, and not even 24 hours later, he's gonna go to a cross and die. But on, on, you know, on, on the last night of his earthly life before he dies and then was resurrected. Praise God, hallelujah, everybody happy for that? Um, the, uh, the, one of the last things he does is he takes on a towel, wraps it around himself, and he, he walks around and washes uh, dirty uh, Jewish man feet. I don't know what would be on your bucket list uh, on the last night of your life, but perhaps washing uh, dirty tootsies would not be there. Uh, even more remarkable, though, when you consider that Jesus is God. Everything is his. If there's a, a more rightful person in the room to have someone else wash his feet, there, well, there isn't. He's the son of God. He's going to God. He's come from God. He is God. And that Jesus, in this act of humility, and this great example to us who follow him, he says, all right, <laughs> I'll wash the feet. If you know the story, uh, we don't have the whole teasing out of what happened. Here's what I picture happened, like happened so many times with these disciples. The 12 of them got together and started arguing about who was gonna wash the feet, right? Because it certainly had to happen, uh, but in the haste to kind of get this meal organized, they forgot to bring in the Gentile servant. By the way, the, the only servant suitable for the washing of feet had to be a, a Gentile. They didn't even make the Jewish servants wash the Jewish feet. They would get some piddling outside uh, the faith person to do that. Uh, they had got one. And so, had to be done, and they were probably, in my mind, they were, I picture them arguing about who would, who would be the one to do it. Peter was like, not me. I'm Peter, I'm the rock. <laughs> Can you smell what the rock's got cooking? I'm not doing this, right? 
<clears throat> and then they just went down. And what I picture happening is that, is that the youngest guy, this guy John, who wrote the gospel that we're reading, he was probably 17, 18 years old when he wrote this thing, uh, or when he, he experienced his life with Christ, wrote it much later, but uh, he, was a, he was a teenager. And they probably all looked at him like maybe we would and say like, sorry man, youngest kid, uh, you're, you're the foot washer. And he's probably like, oh, this always happens. And just as he's about to uh, you know, turn around and start doing what he's doing, here comes Jesus. Uh, unbeknownst to these, these men, and he's wearing the clothes of a servant. Uh, he rose from supper and took the towel. He tied it around his waist. In verse 5, it tells us that he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It's pretty amazing when you, when you picture what he's doing. He's, he's washing the, the feet of his doubter, a guy named Thomas, who just in a few days was going to be like, there's no way he rose from the grave. I'm going to have to see for myself, right? And then, even more amazingly, he washes the feet of his betrayer. Because Judas is sitting there, uh, and he's like minutes away uh, from actually leaving for the last time and becoming the one who would betray Christ. And Jesus washes his feet. If you're sitting here today and thinking, yeah, Jesus would never want a, a piece of me, he, he washed the dude who ratted him out. And uh, he loved him and served him in the same way that he wants to love and serve you. But he gets all the way through and he gets to Peter. I'm picturing Peter being last. I'm not going to read the verses to you, but remember what Pete said to Jesus? You're not washing my feet. Peter was like a lot of us. He'd love to tell God what to do. You ever done that? Here, God, here's how this is going to work. This is how I'm going to roll. <clears throat> Peter says to Jesus, you're not touching my toes. Now, he did it from a good place. He, he wanted to show that, you know, Jesus was the Lord and the master and that uh, his teacher, he wasn't going to allow him to stoop to that, uh, that, that level. But remember what Jesus said to him? Hey, unless I wash you, you don't have any part of me. He, he went to salvation. He spoke, um, you know, uh, alluded to the gospel. And then what did Peter say? Well, scrub me down. Head to foot. Just, you know, get the hose out. Let's do this. And Jesus says, now, Pete, you know, once you've been washed, you don't have to be washed over and over again. It's probably an allusion to the fact that once you're saved, you're always saved. You gotta get some touch-ups, all right? We gotta kinda make sure that as uh, the world and the, and the grime of the world seeps into your life, you clean it up from time to time, but I don't need to do head to foot. Just, just let me wash your feet. <laughs> Peter does that. Uh, Jesus tells Judas to go and do what he's gonna do, and then we pick it up here in verse 12, <laughs> where Jesus who had washed their feet, put on his outer garments and resumed his place, his place at the table. And he said to them, do you guys get what just happened here? Do you understand what I've done? And I'm picturing the, the room being like, you washed our feet? Yeah, but the meaning behind it. Go ahead, Jesus, tell us. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for so I am. If I then... Your Lord and teacher, those are uh, two words that were huge in the, in the Jewish culture. If you were someone's Lord, someone's curious, you were the boss. You were the boss of bosses. You were uh, CEO. And then if you were a teacher, this is on par with being Lord. It's, it's, you're the rabbi, Rabboni. You, you, you were the one who uh, was the guide of life. If he says, I, I'm your Lord and I'm your teacher, <laughs> and I've stooped down to wash your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. In essence, what he's saying is, if you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna you know, uh, uh, cling to my gospel and, and believe in me, 
then part and parcel of that is that you will be a servant like me. If I stoop down as God and serve you, then you should serve each other. He goes on and he says this, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. And so that's been the case, that people, regardless of their stature or their title in the church, uh, everybody has this one thing in common, well, a couple things in common. We have the grace of Jesus Christ that saved us, right? Start with that. And then we have this mission to serve everyone regardless. That's why when it comes time to reset this room, <clears throat> I've made it a matter of, uh, of mission for me as a pastor here for the last 12 years to not be the guy on the stage directing traffic or to not stand off in the corner and talk to someone else hoping that the work will be done when I finally get around to walking back there. Oh, you guys are finished. Oh, wow. No, I just want to be the one slinging chairs. Pocket, non-pocket, non-pocket, pocket. Look on the back there. There's, that's how we're set up. If you've ever done this before, it's, it's the ritual. <laughs> and I want to be in the middle of it for a couple reasons. One, I want to set an example for what we're talking about this morning. But two, I want the constant reminder that I'm not special. And I want you to be reminded this morning that you're not special. I mean, we're all special because God, lo <laughs> God loves us, right? But we're not so special. We're not so special that we're somehow above the servanthood that he uh, uh, gave us as his example. Now let's talk about service. <clears throat> let's talk about the options when it comes to us choosing to serve, uh, there's basically three. You might argue there's more, but I don't have time for those other ones. Here we go. The first one is this. <coughs> you can, when it comes to service, you, can, you cannot serve at all. And uh, I want to talk to those of you who are in this room who have been a part of this church for a long time and never served here. I want you to understand that fundamentally, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are outside your design by just coming here and sitting we were not saved to sit, we were saved to serve. If you have come here and taken advantage as a parent of our children's ministry and never served in there, I'm gonna get strong, I'm on NyQuil, I don't care, shame on you. Shame on you. If you just come and take and you call yourself a Christian, then maybe you haven't understood this life that you have with Jesus, because that is not the life that you were saved to. We, uh, it's easy to do though, right? We, we love to be served, I love to be served. Some nights I come home, <laughs> last night wasn't one of them, I just came home and fell into bed, drank like half the bottle of NyQuil, that's why this is fuzzy. But uh, uh, some nights I come home after a long day at work and I have this, this sweet chair in my main room that's sitting right in front of my television. I plop down on that thing, it's one of those chairs you need a crane to get out of, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just kind of become one with it and as soon as you tilt back, I mean, you don't want to move. It feels good. And so what I do is, is I wait for everybody else who's in my family to walk through that room so that I can get whatever I need. Oh, hey, Coop, you're going to the kitchen? Cool. Can you, uh, can you bring me back a glass of water? That'd be awesome. It can be in the bottle. I don't even care. You don't have to pour it. Just bring it back to me. And he does that. Kai comes through. Hey, Kai, right next to my bed, my room, you know, where I, I keep my iPad, it's sitting there charging. If you could do me a solid, it would be great if you would bring me that iPad. Right? 
She's like, what are you doing? I was, I'm, I'm in my chair. I'm on the throne. <laughs> Eleanor's not as easy. <laughs> but she's more than willing to serve. But you get there. Who's not been there? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling comfortable. It's all about me. And what happens in the church is everybody's waiting for that guy with a T-shirt that says somebody else on it to go do it. Right? I could do that, but somebody else will get it. Oh, I could serve, because, you know, here they go, ringing the bell again. We need more servants over with the kids or wherever we need servants, but somebody else will get it. Uh, This ought not to be. The church of Jesus Christ was saved by a servant, Jesus himself. And if you're going to follow him, you're going to serve. That's what it is to be a Christian. Now, Many of us in here have understood that and we serve, but what the whole series is about is why. Why do we do this? So uh, I want to kind of point out some of these wrong reasons that maybe we serve. We can, we can serve for the wrong reasons, especially when it comes to guilt, compulsion, and, and pride or manipulation, and I'll kind of walk through each one of those. <laughs> Sometimes we serve out of guilt. We serve because somewhere in our minds, theology hasn't gotten quite straight yet, and we think that because we've done all these bad things, whether in our far distant past or our recent past, one of the ways to remedy them or to make up for them is to go and serve a little bit. Like, like our life is a scale. If I do some bad stuff, I gotta do some good stuff to even it out. Okay, one more time, if you haven't heard me in my times of preaching to you, we don't do that. We don't function like that. Uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, all right? You don't do things for guilt's sake. Okay, you do things for grace's sake. Because God has done much for you, you do much for him. Not because you're trying to make yourself worthy of him. Quit trying. No human on the planet other than Jesus has ever been worthy of our God. Are you with me? Uh, in fact, uh, I always get kind of suspicious. You know, when our kids were younger, if they came in and were all of a sudden very helpful, I'd wonder what was up. Did you ever do that with your kids? You're doing the dishes without being told. What'd you break? And they, you know, they'd just be trying to cover up whatever sins they'd done. Uh, we don't serve for guilt. We don't serve for compulsion. There's two areas of compulsion that usually happen in someone's life. Uh, there's one where you're voluntold to do something. Right? We joke about that. Uh, but uh, sometimes you could just slide in a, a, a service role uh, because your husband or your wife told you you were, or your mom or your dad did. It's like when you were a little kid and it was time to go from wherever you were playing and you're having a great time and they told you to clean up because we got to go. That was the worst service, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, effort ever given. Because my kids, when I would tell them to clean up the Legos, they'd go one Lego at a time and just look at you, I don't want to go. Uh, think This was not an effective service, Right? Uh, because they didn't want to do what they were doing. Uh, those kids grow up, and, and listen, I love our middle school kids and high school kids. They serve in so many ways. We are so blessed to have such great young people in our church. There's some that are a mess, but, well, they're all a mess, but, but some of them serve. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> but there are some who come to work days, and their mom told them they were coming to work days. Anybody ever been around that middle schooler who would much rather be playing, you know, football on the street with his friends or whatever, but now he's here for the next three hours helping in the garden? Yeah, uh, we're going to be cleaning up after him for all day. That's just how that's going to work. Because he's not, he's doing what he's being told to do, but he's not doing it with a full heart for doing it. I always tell my kids um, that they need to do certain things, and it's up to them 
uh, with what attitude they choose to do it. Um, you can do it with a, a joyful heart, seeing the opportunity in it, or you can do it as uh, the slog that you might see it as. Uh, but compulsion, if we consistently serve under compulsion, uh, we're going to burn out, we're going to wear out. It's not going to be something that uh, brings us the joy of our life with Christ. Uh, it's going to be something that just makes the church and service seem icky. It should not be that way. Sometimes we serve uh, under compulsion because no one else is doing it. I, I come to my house, uh, not every day, but a lot of days, uh, the, the, the garbage, we have one of those drawers that has garbage in it, right, that you can pull out, and uh, I'm amazed at how much people can fit into those garbage cans and still shut the drawer. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I mean, you open it up and it's like, poof, it's like Jiffy Pop. The, the garbage just kind of pops up out of this drawer. And, you're, and, you know, I, I know who it is. I can see what the top garbage is. I know who eats that or who uses that. I know which kid it is, right? And in our house, if the garbage is full, the can's right outside the garage door. It's 20 yards away. It's five minutes of your life, right? And, and, and here's what happens. I stand over that garbage can, and I just get, I just start boiling. I'm just mad. Stupid kids. I'm not feeding them this week, right? That's, a, you know... <laughs> <clears throat> but what do I do? I snap that bag up over the Jiffy Pop garbage and I tie the, then I walk outside and I throw it in the garbage can and I come back in and I'm stewing. Why? Well, because I just serve because no one else will. Now, that's kind of a message to the people who don't serve at all. You, you, sometimes because you won't serve, you're making it really frustrating for those of us who are doing it. But, but let me just remind you one more time. Your attitude when you serve is yours. In fact, what I've told you all morning so far is that Christians serve. We're supposed to serve. So I'm not going to say that you can, you know, just wait for that, uh, you know, man, that, that sweet spot. Everything lines up perfectly with my personality and gifts. I, I'd hope for you to have that. I'd hope for you to be in, a, in an area where your, your gifts are being used and stuff like that. But listen, we're a family. Does everybody agree we're a family? And as a church, we've got to do the chores. We've got to sometimes look at service opportunities and just be like, it's got to be done. And even if it isn't my sweet spot, like I help out sometimes with Awana, here's what I figured out. Kindergarten boys are not my sweet spot. <laughs> now, if you've got a kindergarten boy, I'm sure he's a sweet young boy. But if they get around like 10 of each other, I mean, just try not to put your hands near their face because they're going to chew them off. You know, it's just terrifying. And, and uh, uh, that's not my sweet spot, but here's the deal. Look at me. Those kids need to know about Jesus. And, and, you know, I don't know how many, there are a hundred and something of them every Wednesday night that come up here, and you're thinking, well, that's not my deal. That's not who I am. That's not my gift mix. I went through, you know, our, our Connect to Serve class, and this is who I am, and I'm going to wait for this, you know, sweet spot role to open up, and then I'll serve. No. We're the family of God. We're Christians. We serve, even if it isn't the sweet spot. And we go into those service opportunities, and we get to determine what our attitude's going to be in the midst of it. You can either do it with a full heart, knowing that you've been greatly served by your master and savior, Jesus Christ, or you can do it with a, a Grinch heart, a hard heart. Be mad at everybody else who should be serving. 
compulsion uh, gives way to this whole thing where we can serve sometimes with pride. <laughs> um, service, especially in the church, could tend to shine a light on the servant. And sometimes we could serve what that light brings us. My dad was a, a pastor in two, uh, two pastor staffs. He was uh, usually the music and youth pastor and uh, the, the, the Sunday school pastor and, and all the other things besides the preaching pastor. And so he worked probably 70 or 80 hours a week for most of my life. And uh, uh, loved to work, loved to serve, and loved especially that uh, all of those efforts were being noticed by these small angry Baptist churches that we were a part of and, uh, and, and the shine that he would get from that. And because uh, that kind of fed his ego and fed his esteem, um, you know, uh, he would tell you this if he was alive today. He'd tell you that that steered him away from some of the other things that really mattered in his life, like his family, his kids. Uh, service can be kind of seductive like that. And you can get all into it for what it brings you instead of what it brings uh, the master. Um, my hope for all of us is that uh, uh, we would get past these <coughs> um, poor reasons or, or, or false reasons for doing service, and we'd get to the real reasons as to why we serve. So let's spend the rest of our time talking about those. Uh, we want to serve for the right reasons. So what are the right reasons to serve God and each other? There's at least two of these uh, that I want to bring out and already kind of have this morning. But the first one is this. Uh, serve because you were served first by Jesus. Serve because you were served. Not out of guilt, not out of compulsion, not out of pride and what it brings you, but serve because Jesus served us in ways that we'll never be able to repay him. Now that doesn't negate the fact that in our gratitude we should just live lives broken and spilled out, wholly ready for him and for whatever he has for us. That is the Christ life, a response uh, a life lived as a thank you to Jesus and what he did for us. Uh, Philippians 2, Paul's talking to his friends there in Philippi, and he says this to them. It's right after he had just scolded, uh, I don't know, that's, that's later in the book, Nike will. Anyway, uh, he says, do, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. So he's saying, hey, don't, don't do it for the shine. If you're going to serve, don't do it for the shine, what it can bring you, all right? Don't do it so that you can be better than someone else in your church. He says, in humility, uh, count others as more significant than yourselves. When you serve, do it because you realize that the God is my one, that other people, uh, and this includes, by the way, your spouses, your kids, your parents, um, all the close-ins, but then all the far-outs. Look around the room. What God is trying to teach us is that uh, you and I need to be submitted to each other in this room, even if we don't know each other's names. If there's an opportunity that he brings along for us to serve each other, that's the life that he wants us to live. Count others as more significant than yourselves. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of the other. Don't get in the chair that needs a crane to get out of. Be interested in the lives of others around you. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is interesting. Somewhere in our download that we got from the Holy Spirit when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, there is this whole understanding of this service thing that maybe we haven't grasped yet. But it's not something that's you know, elusive or you know, we gotta go to enough classes to figure it out. We just have to humble ourselves, submit ourselves 
to what's already in us through the Holy Spirit. And God will unleash this servant's heart that's inside us already in Christ. <laughs> he says, Jesus, who, uh, though he was in the form of God, or was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He set aside his deity, or at least parts of his deity, to become man, to become flesh. Verse 7 tells us that. But he made himself nothing, and he took on the form of a servant. Uh, there it is being born in the likeness of men. And verse eight tells us he, being found in human form, he, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You kind of see this played out in that upper room or that room where they were having that meal and he, he, he washed the disciples' feet, remember? He, he took off his robe. It's kind of emblematic of him becoming uh, human and taking off his deity. Uh, he stooped down and... Uh, uh, he poured himself out like he did on the cross. He shed his blood, just like the water that hit that basin. And he washed us in our sins uh, as white as snow, the Bible tells us, if we receive what Jesus has done, uh, in the same way that he washed the disciples' feet that night. It's the gospel, what Jesus was doing that. And, and look, what service is, is just little mini gospel experiences. When you serve someone else and set yourself aside, you are becoming like Christ in what he did for us in the message of the gospel. And that's powerful stuff. That's what he's called us to. I, uh, I heard a story recently about a flight attendant that was given a, a first-class vacation by her airline. I don't know if she won it or, or they just randomly picked someone, but they, they gave her a trip to Europe, full paid, all the best hotels, and she got to sit in first class on this, you know, the nicest plane they fly over there or whatever. <clears throat> and she was just elated. Would you be elated if you had been given an all-expense-paid trip, first-class everything? Yeah, she was just, oh, she was elated. She's sitting there, though. She knew some of the staff that was there, and uh, one of the staff that uh, had gotten on the plane for this cross-Atlantic flight started to feel kind of like I do today, right? Uh, except even worse, you know, uh, was un unable to continue in uh, their uh, functioning as, as a flight attendant. And so um, <clears throat> without being asked, this flight attendant, who'd been given this all-expense-paid trip, uh, stood up and said, well, give me an apron. This is my job. I know what to do. Uh, I'll serve in this person's place. And did it uh, with a glad heart. Why? Well, she wasn't doing it so she could get a free trip. If I do this, maybe they'll notice me and they'll give me a free trip or something you know, that will benefit me. She wasn't doing it because, oh, here, fine. That person can't do it. I'll do it if she can't. She wasn't doing it for any of those reasons. She was doing it because she was on this free trip. And, and this company that she worked for had chosen her and blessed her in this way. And it just seemed like the reasonable thing for her to do, to take what she'd been given, say thank you for it by giving what she could give. We've been served so well by Jesus. It just makes sense that we'd serve him back. Now this means, just so we're clear, uh, wherever, whenever, however, and for whoever. Because here's what happens sometimes with our service. We get kind of narrow. Like, uh, I'll serve you uh, here in Brandon, Jesus, uh, but don't ask me to get on a plane and go on a missions trip, or don't ask me to go outside my comfort zone. I'll serve you where I'm comfortable. Uh, I'll serve you <coughs> uh, on my time, Jesus. Uh, if you could fit it in between, you know, uh, this requirement of me and this 
job thing and this thing, I'll, I'll serve you, but otherwise you're going to have to, uh, you know, just find somebody else. Now, I'll only do the things that are my sweet spot. If it doesn't interest me, if there's not something that I'm going to get out of this, I'm not interested in doing it. And certainly I'm not going to serve those kindergarten boys. Holy cow. I mean, they've got to be this age, between this age, they've got to be clean and showered and, you know, whatever. And and we get real particular. And that might be why some of you are sitting here, and you have no problem with the idea of service, but you're just not doing it because you haven't found your real particular, and I want to blow the walls out of your real particular. And I want you to understand, God needs your help. That's not true. He doesn't need our help. But he invites us to be a part of him and what he's doing. And the only reasonable uh, thing that we can do in light of what Jesus has done for us is to help him wherever, however, whenever, and with whoever. The other thing I'd tell you is this, you need to serve because you wanna be like Jesus. And uh, uh, I've already made these sweeping statements about Christians today, let me throw one more out there. The Christian life, uh, from the time that you meet Jesus and have faith in him to the time you go to see Jesus, is this uh, lifelong exercise of just trying to become like him in any way you possibly can. Ridding yourselves of the old man and clinging to this new man that Jesus has made you uh, by his uh, grace and through the gospel. Uh, It says in Matthew 20, uh, verses 25 and following, that Jesus called his friends together (coughs) as they were having a conversation one day. And he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over those who were their followers. Uh, and their great ones exercise authority over them, and that's the world system. He who has the power uh, gets the stuff, gets, gets the glory, gets, gets the perks. Uh, he says, not so with you, verse 26. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. He's, it's the upside-down kingdom that is the kingdom of God. Uh, we're not here to climb a ladder. We're here to, to, to dig a hole. We're here to get low and understand that uh, the mightiest among us are the lowest among us, uh, that whoever would be first among you must be your slave. He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, even as I, Jesus said, came here not to be served, but to, to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Let me finish by talking about these two kinds of service, <clears throat> and, uh, and then challenging in both. There's two kinds of service. The first kind is organic. There's organic service, and then there's organized service. Organic service is just you being a servant wherever, whenever, however, to whoever. All right? It's, just, it's not organized. It's not planned. It just, it just kind of happens. It's you husbands being a servant to your wives. It's you wives being a servant to your husbands. It's you parents being servants to your kids, and you kids being servants to your parents. It's just... You live this life of others first. How can I help? Uh, Where can I plug in so that your life can be better to the glory of God? Of course, uh, it wouldn't be a sermon unless I had something immediately after I was done preaching it to go and and apply. So I walked out of last night uh, uh, to get in my truck and go home and just drink half a bottle of NyQuil and die. <clears throat> and, and one of our uh, choir members, his car wasn't starting. So another guy in the car, or in the choir, or in the worship team, had, had been trying to jump his vehicle, and of course it wasn't jumping. And 
Uh, my first inclination was, wow, stinks to be you, and then just get in my truck. <laughs> so uh, I've been here all day. I'm going home. But I had just gotten done preaching organic service, right? And so we made some jokes about that, and I said, well, hey, let me, you know, let's, it was kind of sticking out in the middle of the road, so I said, let's, let's at least push this over there. And so the three of us pushed this guy's car uh, into a parking space back there. And then I said, well, how are you getting home? And he was like, well, my wife's going to come. And I knew they had young kids. And I was like, well, that's dumb. Listen, let me just take you home. And I had this great conversation with my new friend. And we just hung out for as long as it took for him to call AAA and do whatever he was doing. Um, but that's organic service. Wasn't on the schedule. Wasn't something you were looking to do. No one there to applaud. But you just do it. Why? Because Jesus has done for you. Now, organized service. Organized service is the kind of service that happens in the church. Look at what it says in Galatians 6. It says this. It says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Let's do that organic service. Everybody gets uh, our servanthood. But especially, let's be servants to those who are of the household of faith. Did you know that was in your Bibles? I mean, serve everyone, but especially so that the mission of God can move forward in the people of God. You serve the people of God. You serve in your church. This, we are in the household of faith. Everybody see us? Look around. Here we are. We are the household of faith. And so there are so many ways that you can serve here at our church. And so I'm uh, hoping especially for that first category we talked about earlier, those who are just kind of sitting and not serving at all. Kind of scroll these things. There's a little uh, a handout in your bulletins where you can plug in here at our church. Uh, there's some more pertinent areas uh, where you can... Uh, serve immediately and, and provide a valuable service as we seek to disciple people around here and make this a place uh, that's inviting to those who don't yet know Jesus. But then, yeah, we're just scrolling. There's like two, three hundred different ways that you can serve at our church. That's a lot of ways to plug in, all right? Don't try to read. Cover your one eye and everybody try to read them all. Here we go. It's like an eye test. <clears throat> but there's, there's all these ways that you can serve uh, here in our church, and many of you are, and I thank you for that, and I hope you're doing it for all the right reasons. I hope it's not out of compulsion and not out of how you get the shine and not you know, uh, uh, out of guilt that you're serving in these things. But everybody in here, I believe, has a way to give back, a way to say thank you to Jesus by just being involved. And I'm throwing down the gauntlet. It's time. For some of you who've been here for a long time and just been resting, maybe you have come from an environment, a church before this, that you were super involved. I hope you had a good rest, but it's time. Some of you are new to the faith. You're trying to get your, your bearings as to what this whole Jesus thing is. Hey, uh, if you're a Christian, you're a servant. And you don't have to know everything about Jesus to go and love on people and, and help people and serve wherever you can help. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. My prayer is that if you call Bay Life home, you serve at your home and you honor God with what he's given you. So you figure out where that's gonna be. You can sign up by filling out this form. You can go online and <clears throat> do something like, you know, uh, sign up online. Let me say this real quick. Don't, don't bother if you're not gonna really do it. 
Here's an alarming thing that's happened in our church, and I think it's really easy because everybody gets fired up at a service, and they're like, I'm gonna serve, and then they put their name down, and they send their email to someone, and then people from our church who are in charge of those ministries start calling or emailing you, and you're like, who is this from Baylife Church? I don't understand why anybody would be calling me from there, and we just hang up, or we just send the junk mail, or um, if you're not serious about doing it, uh, even after I just threw down the gauntlet, if you're not serious, don't bother. But my prayer is that you'd be serious, that you'd follow through with what God has for you, because Christians, by definition, serve. Can we pray? Lord, thanks for your, uh, your word this morning, and I just pray that uh, you'd, uh, well, before I get to the part I'm going to pray, let me, let me just thank you for serving us. Uh, you are our master and our Lord. Uh, we deserve nothing from you. Uh, but Jesus, you came and you took on skin and you lived this perfect life and became the perfect sacrifice for us so that we can have life through you and you did that all on your own. That was uh, you and the Father working that out and you submitting to the Father's will and, and you serving us. So thank you for that. Now, in light of that, uh, God, I'm asking that you'd help us live our lives as a thank you note to you forever for what you've done for us. And lead us into the areas, God, where we can serve you so that as we all serve, all needs are met, or all needs are met better. And as we all serve, we all um, <clears throat> become more like you uh, because we've adopted your attitude and your heart uh, for our God and for others. Uh, that's my prayer for us this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You guys have a blessed day. There'll be pastors over here if you want to talk to them. Take care.